Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay, so we are dealing with Malachi and we are in chapter 2. Chapter 2 has 17 verses. Okay, now I'm assuming because of time, I'm assuming that you have read the verses. So I'm just going to try to go verse by verse and show you certain key things in chapter 2. And then our next engagement will be in chapter 3, which I realize that uh, we all grow up, we're familiar with chapter 3. Praise God. But like I said before, uh, if we take the, 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 the Old Testament and begin to study the way we're studying it, what we, what we, what we pick and what we understand is that we are grounded, praise God, and rooted in the knowledge of God. And so, if you want to be a strong believer, you must uh, be somebody who is addicted to learning God's Word. Not just as a solution to your problem, but understanding, in essence, what the Word of God is. So, in Malachi chapter 2, uh, if, you, if you go back to your first outline I prepared for you, you'll see the divisions there. Two things were handled or were big issues in the book of Malachi chapter 2. The first one was the issue of the priesthood. So in the first couple of verses, God deals with the uh, unfaithfulness of the priesthood, of the priest. And the second thing God dealt with there in Malachi chapter 2 is the issue of the marriage ordinance or the institution of marriage. So Malachi chapter 2 was basically uh, uh, God's anger and perspective on two institutions that were critical to the building of the nation of Israel uh, as, a, as a nation. And if you take that to our days today in the 21st century, you realize that those two institutions are also under very massive attack. Uh, uh, I think almost anywhere you go right now, when you say you are a pastor, I, I don't think people take you seriously. Am I right? Yeah. I don't think people take you seriously. In fact, when you say you are a pastor, then they put up their guards. Right. And again, if you look at our society today, the marriage institution is under massive attack. Never have we seen such a high divorce rate. Even some of our parents who worship idols, you know, these days, we, we have a lot of process to, to getting married. You see people uh, during courtship, especially those who have been totally immersed in Indian films, running around trees, going around coconut, lying on the beach. <laughs> giving and receiving flowers, eating and receiving chocolates, bridal train, pre-wedding picture, post-wedding picture, after-wedding picture. Uh, what's the one they do in the night before the wedding now? What's that? Bachelor's Eve. There's another one. Bridal shower. Uh, 
I swear be shower. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everything is getting into it. But you realize that uh, it looks like our marriages are not even test, lasting the test of time. But you know, when our grandparents married, they didn't even know the man. Right? It wasn't like that you fell in love. You have to love the man. Your, your, your father, your mother just showed up and just realized this is your husband. You're going to, and you're living now. And, then you, and they stayed married. Praise God. Not all of them were unhappy. Most of them were happy. So it shows that uh, sometimes when we think we have more knowledge and more freedom, actually we're getting into more perversion and more bondage. And that's why I'll, say, I'll just say this loud and clear. If we do not return to biblical standards of marriages and biblical standard of doing things, our world will collapse before our very own eyes. Praise God. Okay. So God in Malachi chapter 2 deals with those two institutions and was very strong in speaking about the fact that these two institutions of the priesthood and the marital institutions have been corrupted and he was big on it. Now, when we talk about the priest, in our context, we can refer to the pastors. But we also understand that we are all priests before God. Amen? So, while we're talking about the pastors, in my teaching, I will face the pastors. But you put it on yourself because you're also a priest of God. And I'm hoping that we can finish this. So, I'll go a bit slowly, but if I'm getting towards the end and I discover I can't finish, I'll just give you the summary. Okay. So, I didn't do the outlines because I have seven pages. So, I'm not sure. How many of you want to read seven pages? So Malachi chapter 2 verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. And now, O ye priest, this commandment is for you. So the message is addressed specifically to the priests. The priests were to represent God to the people and they were to represent the people to God. So the priest in the Old Testament had two roles. The first role was to represent God to the people and was to represent the people to God. Okay? In verse 2... He says, if you will not hear, and if you will not lay to heart, to give glory unto my name, said the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I'll curse your blessings. I've cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Now, uh, let's read up to verse 3. Let's read up to verse 3, or verse 4. Behold, I'll corrupt your seed... And I'll spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feast. And one shall take you away with it. Verse 4. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant may be with Levi, said the Lord of hosts. So, in, in Malachi chapter 2 verse 2, let's go back there. God says, I'm going to curse your blessing. What was he referring to? Theologians have different perspectives to this, but one of the ones I agree with, which, you know, from my own personal study, is the fact that the priests were actually supposed to come up after each of the festival to bless the people, according to Numbers chapter 6 and verse 23 to 27. They were supposed to speak the blessing. If you go to Numbers 6, 23, you will see the instruction. You can give me that quickly. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 23. You will see the instruction that God gave that at the end of the feast, the, the, the priest was to do what? Numbers chapter 6 and verse 23. That the priest was, was to speak the blessing over the people. 
right. Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, verse 24, The Lord bless you and keep you and Go on down to verse 27. Go to verse 27 now. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I'll bless them. So after the feast was done, the priest came out and spoke the blessing. So God is saying that because I have rejected you from being priest to me, this blessing that you're supposed to speak over the people will no longer become a blessing. It will be a curse. So that's why he says I've cursed your blessing. Alright, so it was referring to the fact that the priest had the blessing in their mouth and they were to speak over the people. Well, because they were not obeying God, that blessing was going to become a curse. Now you must understand that the priests of God were agents of carrying spiritual uh, spiritual resources, spiritual blessings to the people. And God was particular that the priest would walk in his name. Now because the priests were not walking faithfully before God, God said four things were going to happen to them. So you find that in, in, in Malachi chapter, chapter 2 from verse 2 to verse 4. Four things is going to happen to them. Uh, or rather the, the warning that God gave to them. The first one is if you will not hear. If you will not hear. If you will not hear, that means you will not repent. You see, the truth of the matter is that God always gives us time to repent. He always gives us a window of repentance. And it's important that when the Lord is telling you that something you're doing is wrong and gives you a window of repentance, that you listen to that window of repentance. Praise God. Okay. Number two. He says, because you did not take the Lord to heart or because you do not take it to heart meaning that you were just performing religious sacrifices you were not walking from your heart you were not following my commandment from your heart the fourth thing third thing is I'm going to spread refuse on your faces now when he says I'm going to spend spread refuse on your faces what he was actually trying to say he was referring to the, let's go to Exodus. Let me show you something there. Exodus 29 verse 14. Then you understand it better. Exodus chapter 29 and verse 14. But the flesh of the bull with his skin and his offer you shall burn with the fire outside the camp. It's a sin offering. So one of the, 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 one of the things that the priest was required to do was to take the refuse and all of this stuff and all of these animal sacrifices and not burn it around the, the camp, but to take it outside of the camp. So what God was saying, when he was saying that I was going to spread this on your face, right? I'm going to spread this on your face and one shall take you away with it. What I was trying to say is, just as these animals and their dogs were taken outside and were burned outside the camp, because these things are going to now be spread on your faces, you were now going to be taken outside the camp. So what God was referring to, to, to in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 5 now, right? Verse, verse 5 or 2? Verse, yeah, verse 2, verse 3 specifically now, was that the priests were no longer going to serve in his temple. And I said it time and times without number. If God can fix the pastors, he will fix the church. The greatest problem of Christianity is not, is not the members, it's the pastors. 
Because it's the pastors that misinterpret the Bible. It's the pastors that give allowances for all kinds of things. It's the pastors that misrepresent God. Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying now? So if God can take care of the pastors, he'll take care of the church. And that's why God is big on the pastors. And that's why we must also be very careful not to just ordain. And I, and I, and I want to caution you also. You see, don't allow any man. Now, you know, because also I teach this. Then when I'm traveling and I ask people to come and teach, then everybody's saying, no, that's not the point, right? You can, you can teach, right? But what I'm trying to say is that don't allow any man put you into an office that the Lord has not called you into. Because your judgments are greater, your responsibility is greater, your manner of representation is greater. And that's very important. Praise God. Okay. So, then he says, I'm doing all of this because I want to continue the covenant I have with Levi. So, God's motive for reaching out to the priest so strong and so hard was because he wanted that Levitical covenant to continue. There were eight things required of the priest. There were eight things required of the Levitical priesthood. Number one, the Levitical priesthood was supposed to fear God, means that, meaning that he should be a sincere worshiper of God. Number two, the Levitical priesthood was supposed to act in the presence of a just and a holy God. So let me give you an example. And that's why we should thank God for the grace of God. Because in those days, when the high priest, for instance, was going into the temple, they'll, they'll tie a rope in his leg, on his leg, right? And there were bells all around. Some of you that have stayed around idol worshippers, you can understand this more. <laughs> there are little bells in the skirts. And the children of Israel were to listen for that bell. If that bell stops ringing, it means the high priest was dead. And nobody could go in there and bring the high priest, so they had to pull him out. Uh, you remember Ananias, Sapphira, came before and lied, and then they passed on. You think if we are to have that kind of intense presence of God in our churches, many people would, would, would leave? You think so? Do you think so? You think so? Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's why when people try to say they want to keep the Lord, they want to keep the Lord. You can't keep the Lord. That's why Jesus came. It's tough. You know, people keep the Lord in the area they want to keep the Lord. You realize that under the Lord, if you were having your period as a woman, you could not minister. Meaning you couldn't do ushering work, you couldn't do anything. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So, but at the same time now, God did not bring grace so we can jump from our boyfriend's house to the altar to sing. You know, because human beings find it hard to be in a balance. It's either we're going to the extreme of the Lord or we're getting into the extreme of grace. So the fact that grace has come doesn't mean I can do anything I want to do and God is still pleased with me. Are you following what I'm saying? Jesus took the prize for our sin, but he did not take the responsibility for our Christian work. 
are you, are you following this now? Because then some people take the grace thing to the extreme and they don't dress properly anymore. They just, oh, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. We can't judge you by the word of God. And so God expected that the Levitical priesthood would represent him. Alright? Number three, the law of God was to ever be in his mouth. And sometimes people righteously persecute me for this, but I think that a pastor can teach many things, can know many things. But this is what I've always done here. When it comes to teaching certain specific subjects, I allow the professionals among us to teach it. Not because I can't teach it, I haven't read about it, but I believe that if you're a minister of the gospel, that what the people want to learn from you is the word of God. I don't think you, learned, you came here to learn how your business will expand or to learn branding or to learn, uh, you know, that's not my job. Is it a good thing? It's a good thing, but the priests were to keep the law. If you read all through the Old Testament, the priests were permitted to teach nothing except the law of God. Because that's something that began to creep into the church in an attempt to solve people's problem in the church. We are pastors teaching all kinds of things and turning scriptures and scriptures became business pattern books and you hear things saying like, well, you know, Jesus, no, the Bible is the best business book in the world, is the best leadership book in the world. Then we got to a place where we start saying the holy book said, the holy book said, then we got to a place where we say a wise book said, a wise man said, and then we got to a place where we say a holy man said. Are, are you following what I'm saying? And in teaching the law, sowing and reaping, you started hearing people say, when you give, the universe has a way of giving back to you. They're calling God the universe. God who, God created the universe. God is not the universe. Praise God. You see, because if we think we are wiser than God, we will self-destruct. Praise God. I remember a couple, a past friend of mine one time posted something on Facebook, on, on Twitter, and was saying something about the universe. So I, I inboxed him. I said, who are you talking about? He said, you know, in this generation, if you say God, people can attack you. I said, but do you, do you realize that that is exactly why God called you, so you will say God? And that's why God called you. Everybody can say universe, but he just knows that, listen, guy, I have called you specially to make sure that you still say God when everybody says universe. You can't be wiser than the one who called you. You know, a messenger does not dictate the terms of his assignment. You stay faithful to who sent you regardless of the consequences. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, number four, the priest... The Levite, the Levitical priesthood, were to lead by example and by their teaching influence others. By example and teaching to influence others. So a pastor is not just to teach you, a pastor is supposed to live the life. So the priests were not just to teach the laws, they were actually to do what? To live the laws. Number five, no iniquity were to proceed from his lips. No iniquity were to proceed from his lips. Number six, he lived in such a manner as to retain his union with God. So the priests were constantly uh, to retain their union with God, to maintain fellowship with God. Now, uh, let me say this in case I forget to say it. Now, because they had this awesome responsibility, that was one of the reasons the Lord asked that the children of Israel would give the tithes. You understand that? 
Now, let me just say this now, because this, this is leading us to Malachi chapter 3. So you realize that because of the way the priests were misbehaving, the children of Israel also started withholding their tithes. Are you following that now? Then the Lord had to rebuke the whole nation because he had finished rebuking the priests in chapter 2. He now turns on the whole nation. But you realize that the attitude of the nation was because the priests were already misbehaving. And that's what we find in our days right now, right? If you ask a lot of people why they don't want to give to church, then they point to the past. <laughs> so you see, that attack in Malachi chapter 3 had to do with God because in Malachi chapter 3 now you have to read Ezra and find out the reformation why God did the reformation so this was the idea that the Levite could focus on doing the work of God and when the rest of the tribes of Israel went to work the Lord was the portion of the Levites and so if everybody brought their 10% well I've taught on the tithing before if you go back to our messages and listen to New Testament finances the tithes were actually 23% not 10 10 means the tithe but all the tithes they gave were 23% and they gave three different kinds of tithes the tithe of the third year was the one that God asked them that they could spend on themselves you know but I'll take time and that's the one people like see go, go focus on that no way let's go <laughs> Alright, so that was why God was rebuking the whole nation. So you must understand that the book of Malachi was a book where God was addressing, listen carefully, a nation that was walking away from the law. So that forms the tone of Malachi chapter 3. He was speaking to a people who were already rebelling against him. You remember in chapter 1, we dealt with the offerings they were bringing right so we, we dealt with the offerings and the kind of animals they were bringing and he said take this to your governor so you see the whole context of the book was God calling a disobedient people back to him praise God okay number seven they were to turn away from iniquity they were to turn away from iniquity number eight the priests were to conduct themselves as a true messenger from God the priests were to conduct themselves as a true messenger from God. That is why I still believe that even though every believer is a priest, the fivefold ministry is still in God's heart. What that means is although all of us are priests and we're equal before the Lord, the Lord still separates some people unto himself for a special assignment and for like what we're doing right now. Because then you have people who go to the extreme again and say, well, we should just run a church. Nobody should be the leader. We are all brethren. Anyone that has a psalm should, should say something. Anyone that has a revelation, that's confusion. Even the apostles in the, in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says Peter standing among the eleven. Peter spoke. All of them were filled at the same time with the Holy Ghost, but it was Peter who spoke. Praise God. The other apostles did not say, okay, we're after five minutes. I have something to say. I have something to share. They didn't do that. They listened to Peter. Anywhere there's no order, there will be chaos. And that's why we must raise local assemblies with leadership. It's servant leadership, but one man must bear the leadership. When God was writing to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he says to the angel of the church in Ladesha, the word angel means messenger, angelos. He was actually saying to the pastor of the church in Ladesha. He didn't say to the Ladesian church. He had, the letter was addressed to the leader. Even though God was talking to the whole church. 
See, ultimately, the book of Hebrews says that, you, you know, we should respect those who lead us because they give account for, 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 for our souls. Next month, we're going to do something regarding the local church. Now, even though you have a personal responsibility to God and a personal life to God and you have your work with God, the fact that you've come to the local church and you're a member of the local church, I have, an, I have a bit of responsibility and spiritual oversight over your life. And that's why I tell people, if you, if, you, if you don't feel excited about the pastor anymore, you don't need to be in the church. Praise God. Okay. The priests of old, three things were key for the priests of old. Number one, they were mediators between man and God. Exodus 28. They were mediators between man and God. Now, that was the priest of old, not today. Today, no pastor is a mediator between you and God. So we must clarify that. That's why I said of old. Make sure you write of old. No pastor mediates between you and God today. There's only one mediator between man and God, and his name is what? Jesus. Praise God. Number two, they were teachers of the law. Leviticus chapter 10 verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 10. So every priest was to know the law. And, and that is what pains me a lot in, in our days when I look at some of my fellow learned colleagues. <laughs> the time we should use in understanding and teaching the scripture and learning the scripture, we're learning what HRO people should learn. So you're teaching branding, you're teaching packaging, you're teaching this, you're teaching that, and yet you don't know the word so much. And you see, let me explain something to you. Because of the way I'm teaching, now some of you are reading Malachi, some of you are getting new understanding of scriptures and all that. There's a way I will teach you and you will not read the Bible anymore. I'll just give you one verse and a sermon. Give you one verse and you see, you cannot produce, you can only produce, or how will I put it now? The people you produce is dependent on your kind of teaching. So if I'm teaching the word, how many of you have, I mean, let's say, in the last one month, you have not started studying, but just your appreciation of the Old Testament has gone a bit higher. Let me see. You just feel like, okay, I think it's something I need to pay attention to. You know the reason why? Because we're going this way. So, if I come here and I start teaching you all about business, I'm not saying anything is wrong with it. I'm just giving you perspective. If I come here and I start teaching you all about business, all about marketing, and I'm using one, two, three scriptures to teach that, do you know what is good? Where your interest is going to go? More marketing books. Am I right? Am I right? Come on, am I right? Yeah. And where? And what's going to decline? Because you can only convert energy; it's not wasted. Like what's going to decline? Your study of what? Of the Bible. So if you don't have a desire to study the Bible anymore, check what you're feeding yourself on. If your desire is declining, what are you listening to? Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, so they were teachers of the Lord. You remember, I'll say this, I don't know why the Lord wants me here, but let me just camp here a bit, maybe to help someone. But do you realize that Jesus did carpentry work for about 30 years? Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years? You realize that? Or you don't realize anymore? Okay. Think was doing shutdown for 30 years? No. I was doing carpentry work for 30 years. But how many of you know that for the three and a half years that Jesus showed up, he never taught anything about chairs and tables? 
He never taught anything about how to run a good business. What did Jesus teach? The law of God. Why am I emphasizing this? In the mouth of the priest, he should keep the law. Because what the ones God is depending on for the law to be taught. Praise God. Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 17 to 23, the priests were to act as the court of appeal. The priests were to act as the court of appeal. You, you bring your cases to them. That's what happened to Moses when Jethro, his father-in-law, had to, 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 to caution him. Praise God. Okay. So we let's go to... Uh, let's go to verse 5 now. So we've talked about the priest. Let's go to verse 5. My covenant was with him of life. Uh, okay, let's go to verse 4. Thinking we're, okay. And you shall, and ye shall know that I've said this commandment unto you, that my covenant may be with the living. With Levi, said the Lord of hosts. So God has called the tribe of Levi to walk in the temple. The priest and the high priest were to come from this tribe. Right? They were to eat the offerings of the temple. Their job was to see that the offerings and the sacrifices were continued in the way that God will have them done. Now the priesthood have become polluted with those who were not called, but seeking a way of making a living. They had broken covenant with God by the way they were performing their duties. So they were to ensure that the sacrifices were properly performed and God was to sort them out. But they decided that they were going to sort themselves out. And then they began to do the priesthood work for a living. Now let me say this very clearly to you. If a pastor is in ministry and is always trying to get rewards for his labor, he would miss it. Uh, let me use, uh, I'm sorry if this illustration does not fit, but it fits in a way, but in case it doesn't fit in your mind, but in my mind it fits. Uh, my dad was a teacher, so he grew up you know, started, I went teaching. And I was teaching during the Abacha regime, the IBB regime, and all of those guys. And you know, those times, you couldn't teach if you didn't do NC or went to NTI, or the, as in they were real teachers. You know they were teachers. And then they used to have a popular saying that teachers' rewards were in heaven. How many of you heard that saying? Some of your parents said that to my parents, so you should have heard it. But you realize something, right? In those days, you could find people who were really teaching. And then teachers started comparing themselves with bankers. Like, I'm level eight. If I were to be working in this bank, I would be this. And what happened? Teachers started doing business, started bringing melon to the staff room, started frying bones, trying to make ends meet. And then, bam, all of a sudden, I mean, you could go to a school and you just see maybe two, three white bicycles. First white bicycle was for the principal. The second white bicycle was for the first vice principal. The third white bicycle was the third vice principal. No, my, my dad had a white bicycle. It took him like 10 years to get that bicycle. And then you now saw cars coming into school, big jeeps and all kinds of stuff. But you know that as that prosperity began to increase, what began to decline? Don't say like you don't know. What began to decline? The teaching. Because now teachers were trying to reward themselves. I'm not saying they should be paid badly. I'm just giving you an example. You see, as a minister of the gospel, you cannot pursue two things at the same time. My job is not to 
you know, I've heard, I've, I've heard people make the statement that, you know, I must be the richest person in my congregation. That's not my assignment. Are you feeling? My assignment is to keep the law of God. And sometimes when we talk about false and true pastors, some of us try to look for all kinds of things. These are some of the little things you should look for. What is this man's aim in life? Because once you have accepted the call, listen, you have to trust the Lord to take care of you. Because immediately you start working and trying to get the reward, you're going to do extra means to do what? To squeeze the people. And that's what happened. They now began to do the sacrifices in the way the sacrifices should not go. You remember the sons of Eli? They were staying in front of the, on the, of the tabernacle as they were offering. They were taking the parts of meat that they wanted to eat. There was a part of meat that God has... <laughs> That God has said you could have said, no, 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 we like, to, we like kidney. <laughs> and God had to reject them. Now, when we look at that, we laugh because it looks natural. But those things are shadow of the real. And you realize today, that's where we are find ourselves as ministers of the gospel. Where we can only reach the rich and preach to the rich because we know they can give us something. So these are some of the things that God was dealing, dealing with. Verse 5. My covenant was with him of life and peace. I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Now, the Jewish priest of Malachi's day had deceived themselves, claiming the privileges of the covenant while neglecting the conditions of it. As if God was bound to bless them even when they rejected the obligation to serve him. God had promised them life and peace if they obeyed and reverenced him. They had broken the covenant. They no longer feared or reverenced God. He says, my covenant was with him, one of life and peace. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. So God is saying, listen, the covenant I have given to you of life and peace is when you fear me. And you know what? I can look back and look at ministers who feared the Lord, who served the Lord. Sometimes naturally it looked like they didn't have anything. But when you look back at their life, you see that God took care of them. Praise God. Transfer it to your own life. You must make sure that you're fearing the Lord and you're living according to the laws of God in your own life. You're not in an attempt to become rich, breaking all the laws of God. Because you're trying to prove a point to your colleagues. Praise God. Verse 7, verse 6. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did not turn away from in, and did turn, turn many, sorry, and did turn many away from iniquity. The priests were the guidance of God's laws, they spoke truth. They lived holy before the Lord. The anointing of God was upon the Levites. God spoke to the people through the high priest. And what happened? They turned many from iniquity. That is, that's our responsibility. Our primary responsibility is bringing souls back into the kingdom. That's our primary responsibility. Turning many from iniquity. Are you following what I'm saying now? Turning many, we cannot use our messages to push many into iniquity. <laughs> we should rather use our messages to do what? To turn many from what? From iniquity. 
If you go to Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 9 to 11, just write that down. You will see the responsibility of the priest. How the priest had the responsibility of making sure that Israel kept the right thing. Verse 7. For the, for the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. Praise God. I, I remember one time, uh, one day, someone sent me a question. One of our members sent me a question. I was very happy that day. I, I was so happy. I mean, the question was, was asking about the uh, fallen angels and, and some stuff. Now, what I was happy is that that's the kind of question that somebody who really, really wants to know will ask. But I just remember this scripture. It says, from the mouth of the priest, they shall seek knowledge. Wasn't asking for a loan. Wasn't asking for anything. Was asking, wasn't asking for rent. Wasn't asking for food. Was asking to know. I, it was rare, but I, I absolutely loved it. Because you know what? In, in an attempt to answer her question, I had to study even more. Are you following this now? I'm not saying you can't ask me for, for help, if you, if you need help. But you see, if you keep asking me for money, you keep asking me for this, you're asking me for that, what do you think I'll be thinking of doing? Come on, let's be honest. I mean, this is our church, don't worry. Let's be honest. What do you think I'll be doing? Every time you ask me for something I don't have, I'll start thinking, ah, this life. Because I'm a pastor, and I feel like I can't help you. So what am I going to be thinking? I'm going to be thinking of how to make more money so I can help you. No, that's the truth. Imagine you come to me one day and say, oh, pastor, I need this. I can't help you. I'll be thinking of my own life. How old am I? And I can't even help someone. No, that's the truth. I mean, it's not something we should have about. That's the truth. Because if you put undue responsibility on me that God has not called me to do, what's going to happen is going to shift my focus. Because as a human being, you're thinking of that. Praise God. So, what was the system? We want to talk about the local church. What was the system with which the local church handled this? Two things. That is why the tithe was instituted. And that is why several offerings were given to the church. So the church had a central welfare post. From that tithe, which was the storehouse, the priest was taken care of, and the brethren in need were taken care of. So you see, the pastor was not the one bearing the responsibility for that. It was the community of the church that was bearing the responsibility for the less privileged and also bearing the responsibility for the minister. Acts chapter 6, distribution of food for the widows. But you know what the apostles did? What did the apostles do? They handed over that administration to deacons so they could do what? Focus on what? Come on now, on what? On prayers and the word. Because that itself, although it looks good, was a distraction. Am I right? Today, what do we have? We have more pastors standing in front of the TV distributing food to widows. Because that's what will make people feel we are true pastors. In the eyes of men. But in the eyes of God, you have actually relinquished your authority. Because it is not your role to be taking care of widows. Your role is to pray and teach the word. But you know, even our city, we actually think that the ones who are distributing bag of rice every Sunday on TV are the real men of God. Because gradually, if we are not consistent with scripture, 
we will form our own Christianity. Is that not what happened to the children of Israel when they were coming from Egypt? They, they made a golden calf, and what did they say? This is the God that led us out of Egypt. So we can form our own God and build a theology around it. I remember who assisted them to make the, 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 the who assisted them to make that God? Aaron the high priest. I've never seen a liar like that. He says, We got the gold, we threw it into the fire, and the golden calf appeared. Aaron. Awesome. But you know, how did Aaron create the golden calf? The people. Impatience. They were on Aaron's neck to produce results. Like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. So, if we're also not careful, the members can put pressure on the pastor. And then the pastor misses God. And the funny thing is, when God judges, he judges the pastor. So that's why a pastor must be careful to know suggestions for pressure. That's why as much as I love everybody in this church, there are certain areas you don't give me suggestion. It's okay. Just leave it. Because before you know it's our pastor, there's this pastor I know, the man has fire. And then he'll come, he will light fire. Another will come. Before you know, you just see confusion of fires being littered on the altar. At the end, you won't even know what to believe anymore. Are you following what I'm saying? Because one day a man comes and says you are cursed, it will be broken. You sow a $1,000 seed. The next day a man comes and says you don't have any cost again. You are thinking of how to get refund for that seed. Then another person, hey, it's confusion. Are you following what I'm saying? But it came out from the pressure of the people. So we see that in the book of Malachi, these were the things that God was reacting against. So when you see, when you see God talking about the tithes and the offerings, these are the background that formed why God started talking about those things in, in Malachi chapter 3. All right. So we're in what now? Verse 7. The priests were messengers of God in Israel. Not only were they to represent the people to God, but they were also responsible to represent God to the people by teaching the law of Moses to the nation. Alright? Now, if you go to verse 8 and verse 9, verse 8 and verse 9, you will realize how God contrasted between the true priest and the false priest. Verse 8. But ye departed out of the way. Observe it says the way. Alright? Ye, ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi. Can you see God accusing the priest? He says, you are the ones that cause people to stumble. Let me ask you a simple question. Why is it today that everybody believes that they are under generational curses? It is because of what pastors taught them. And so when they open, the, the, when they open God's word, they stumble at the word. They are not, you know, what does stumbling mean? It means to fall, right? Every believer is supposed to be rooted and grounded in the knowledge of God. To stand, not to fall. So you see why God was accusing. He said, you've departed from the way. Why? Because that brings more money. If you're coming for deliverance every month, it's more money. It's more crowd. It's more drama. <laughs> You know, I was preaching somewhere in Ogun State, and I was trying to say this, but there were some people from Setting Church there. They were not, so I thought the first night, and they went to tell the pastor that some of the things I thought, they didn't agree with them, and all that. That's okay. That's why most times, I, I mean, I travel, but I like just teaching in my church, because then you go and you teach somewhere else, and then people say what they want to say. That's why I like the TV. Like, if I'm teaching, they, they can just switch it off the car. And we get all kinds of meals, though, but... <laughs> 
But I just gave them a simple analogy. I said, on the issue of deliverance. I told them to read what Jesus said. Jesus says to preach deliverance to the captive. To preach, to preach, to preach. What does the word preach mean? To proclaim. So if I, if I proclaim deliverance to the captive, what am I saying to the captive? You're no longer in bondage. He says to preach, not to deliver, to preach. Now, there were times Jesus casted out demons, but he says to preach deliverance to the captive, to proclaim, to tell the captive you are now a free man. Okay. I don't know if you will understand that. So. The same way they were quiet, that's how you are quiet. But it's okay. <laughs> then I gave them another analogy. Let's say someone is demon-possessed. He comes from January monthly fire deliverance. January. He shows up. And then we do the fire deliverance, we pray, the guy is delivered. He comes again for monthly deliverance in March. And comes again for monthly deliverance in May. Up until October, the guy is coming from that monthly deliverance all night. Now, let's pause and ask ourselves two things at the question. Is either the guy is never delivered or Jesus is powerless? Because if you deliver someone once, Luke chapter 8, verse 3. Let me show you this quickly. Luke 8, 3. Wow, our time is gone. I'm still in verse 7. <laughs> Luke 8, 3. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Verse 2. Give me verse 2, please. Verse 2. And certain women who had been, been is what? Past or present tense? Past or present tense? Past. Who has been healed of evil spirits and infirmities? Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So, you see, Jesus delivered this woman of seven spirits, but it was just used as a reference to her because that one was used in the past then, and she became a partner with Jesus. Now, there was no time again we find in scriptures where Jesus subjected that to another set of deliverance. I don't have a problem with people who do deliverance. The problem I have is putting children of God under monthly deliverance. That's my issue. Is it that the demon is too stubborn or we're missing something? Are you, are you still here? Yes, All right. Praise God. Okay. Verse, where now? Verse 9. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people. According as you have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. So the people had lost respect for them. They were partial in their judgment. They have actually caused the people to hate them. They had one set of rules for the people and another set of rules for themselves. They were supposed to set good example for the people, but instead, they were sinners themselves. The priest of Malachi's day had made a radical departure from God's standard originally given to the Levi, causing others to stumble by their bad example and false interpretation of the law. Consequently, the worst shame was to come upon them. God says, I've made you contemptible. That's what we see today. No respect for ministers. So, you see, there's nothing happening today that's not in the word of God. No respect. Why? Because we messed up the law of God. We messed up the law of God. We gradually threw Sunday school out of the window. We threw discipleship out of the window. Most of you see that you are older. This was not how you were raised. You were not raised on a one hour, 45 minutes message. You were not raised on a 15 minutes prayer. Let's be honest. But yet today, we're the ones insisting that church is too long. We're not raised this way. We're not raised without carrying Bibles to church. Not because of technology. We're not raised without quiet time. 
When we visited our brothers, the predominant discussion was scriptures. It wasn't stock, it wasn't investment, it wasn't business. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying. And he says, he says you've, 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 made, you've made people to stumble. Praise God. And you see, if we don't, if we don't pay attention to God's word, we will not get a different result. Are you following this now? Let's get a comedian into this place. Let's even say it's a Tuesday night. We're going to have three nights of comedy. This is to be full. <laughs> are, you, are you following what I'm saying? One of our service team members gave uh, flyers to someone. And he said, studies in the book of Malika. He said, what, so, so what do you people want to learn? And I said, no, we want to play football. <laughs> do you understand? Because it doesn't make sense. Why study a book? Why? Like, uh, serious, let's talk about serious matters. But do you know that the law of Moses the priest were to teach for was the same law he gave to them at Mount Sinai? That means for 40 years, they were to hear the repetition of the same law. In Christianity, repetition is safety. Are you following what I'm saying? We can teach on the Holy Spirit this month. We teach on him next month. We keep teaching on him. It does not mean we don't have new messages. We are not supposed to have new messages. We are supposed to reinforce what... Because listen, you listen to me for one hour, right? Like one hour today. Okay, one hour for five minutes because it's Malachi. God bless Malachi. He gave us 15 minutes extra in our Bible study. And then you listen to me one hour on Sunday. So technically, maybe I, I preach to you two hours in a week. But you know other people you listen to for the rest of your seven days. All kinds of voices. Satan, demons, people, advice, friends, or godly people, all kinds of people. So you see that two hours of the word, two hours of the word, you need to create your own time to fill your heart with the word. If not, you return an unbeliever every week. So you, you, so, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, let's go on. This, uh, okay, so what's going to happen is, I'm going to stop in verse 10, okay? Because of our time. Our time is passed. I'm going to stop in verse 10. So we're going to continue here on the issue of marriage. So let me just stop on the priest today. Then we'll do marriage. So let me break it that way. So let's look at verse, verse 10 quickly. Uh, have not all one father? Have not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his neighbor by profaning the covenant of our fathers? So what, what, what? God was trying to say is, listen, it's the same law, it's the same Father, it's the same God. But it's almost like right now we're doing like we're not selling the same God anymore. Right? It's like we look at, in times past, look, read stories of revival, read stories of, the, of God's work in the nations and what God is doing. And it's almost looking like every day we're reducing the standard of God. Every day. Every day, every day, every day. You know, sometimes I look up and I'm like, God, what generation is our children going to wake up with? Because even basic, basic standards of, you know how many believers today you have to literally say don't lie? You know, <laughs> maybe because of the way I was raised, it, I find it difficult that people will lie to me. It's, it's difficult. You have to prove that you're lying. But you know, it's almost right now, like almost like when somebody tells you something, you, you now first of all say it's a lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? In those days, you could hardly stand before your pastor and lie. Actually, 
day you see somebody just come and say, Pastor, ah, this one. And you, in your heart, you just feel this guy told the whole truth. And then you make all your research and discover he's a lie. I was like, but you're a believer. He said, hey, it's condition. I'm like, so are you a conditional believer? I, do, do you understand? Like, we, 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 we give excuses for sin. Instead of saying this is a sin, we say it's my weakness. Personal pronoun, like, is yours? If it's yours, you will not give, give a hold of it. It's the devil's. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at our sexual standards. You know, it's almost, almost like, I'll just say this, my final closing. Every preacher should have three closings. This is the final one. You know, when we, when we also were having like relationships, like dating relationship, it was like, ah, it was extreme. You couldn't go to the girl's house. You had to meet under a tree, somewhere under a juniper tree with the sun shining on both of you. Right? You had to, you couldn't take picture. And you see some pre-wedding picture and you're asking, this is wedding picture already. Even married people are not this close. And before you know, cohabitation is a lifestyle. And before you realize, people won't see anything wrong with it. And before you know, somebody will get pregnant and still be angry that the church did not wed them. You see that? Like, ah, if it is another person's own, they will wed them. See, he says just one pregnancy. It's not that it's even two. Yeah, it's just one. Do, do you realize? And they almost make you feel like you are too old school. But listen, we must be honest with ourselves. We did not leave the world so we could live this life. God called us to righteousness, to holiness, to sanctification, and to purity. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. We must in our own life uphold the word of God and the righteous standard of God. Praise God. And that's the commitment I want us to make tonight. That we might not be able to control everybody, but in our own house. And in our own space, God's word will take prayer minutes. We will not be the priests that will profane the name of the Lord. We will not be the house that will misrepresent God. Pray the name of the Lord. But we will be that house that will hold up the righteous standard of God. We'll be that house that would proclaim and say Jesus is Lord. We'll be that house that will say, listen, I don't care what other priests are doing. I'm going to stay faithful to the word of God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? We all must make a commitment to radical righteousness again. Glory to God. You know, half of the complaints I get from the single sisters that the Lord has privileged us to lead is married men going after them. And it's, it's shocking. And they don't see anything. You know, it, it, I'm sorry. Final closing. You know, but you realize, well, we said 745. This is 740. Don't worry. You're here still on time. But do you realize that some of the messages we teach from our churches actually encourage adultery? Like you're telling a woman, you know, you, you have to dress this way so that your husband will not be looking after other people. Are you serious? Should her dressing make her husband to look after? You know, so we unconsciously make it look like if you do this and then if your husband is looking outside, it's your fault. No, if the man is looking outside, he is a sinner. And now we're making old people wear miniskirts, uh, 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 wearing hair. The, the woman is 50. All her 
Her loves are gone. But no, she must fight for her marriage. And we're putting pressure on her all these old. And you see, sometimes you, ask, you meet a woman and they're like, how old are you? He said, I'm 82, but I'm still, I still have swag. <laughs> no, 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 no. God wants you to teach the younger women. Praise God. He's not saying you should teach them swag. Teach them how to take care of their husband. Teach them how to take care of their home. Are you following what I'm saying? What makes us relevant in this world is not what the world says. What makes us relevant in this world is what the word of God says. And you know the funny thing. But if you actually look at God's word, if your marriage fails, God holds the man responsible. Do you realize when God came into the garden, he didn't call for Eve, he called for Adam. He didn't go and say, Eve, Eve, and I didn't want to give you to my son, Eve. He didn't do that. We need to train men who are more responsible for marriages. Men who decide that my marriage will not collapse. Men who decide to say, I'll love my wife unconditionally. Men who decide to say, listen, my wife is not in a competition with anybody. You want to go as far as you can, feel free. Increase is in this house. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? Let's get back to the word of God. Let's put God's word first. Let's not even allow the word of God to the world to define beauty to us. I'll say this in my last two minutes. You know why all this pressure came? I'll just say this now. Because sometimes you study culture, you understand that some of the culture influences people. You know at a particular time, culturally, the most beautiful women were very fat women. And if you wanted to get married, they took you to the fattening room. They made you fat, they made you robust, they made you big. Right. Don't do like all of you are 16 years in this church. Am I right or wrong? If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. Am I right or wrong? Uh -huh. I'm not encouraging anybody. I'm not discouraging anybody. I'm just giving you perspective. But you see, gradually, society began to define beauty as being slim. I'm not just talking about health. Right? I'm just talking about the definition of beauty. And what happened? We changed our perspective. Let me tell you. If another generation comes up, and one mad person somewhere now says beauty now is getting fat. Everybody will start trying to get fat. You can't trust this world. They don't even know what they are doing. Are you following what I'm saying? So you see that unconsciously, even though we are believers, I like the new book Pastor Banky wrote. He says something is controlling you. You don't even know what is controlling you. Are, are, you, are you following this now? Let's pray. Father, thank you. We make adjustments in our lives in areas we've gone wrong. We make commitments to walk in righteousness and purity. And we pray that your grace will help us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.